Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Welcome to this third episode of Roadcase. I'm really excited to be here. I'm the host, Josh Rosenberg, and I want to thank you all for joining me. Right off the bat, I'd like to encourage listeners to get involved with Roadcase. Love to hear what you think. Comments, questions, suggestions for guests. You can email me, info at roadcasepod.com. You can also contact me on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you are able to and can support this podcast at Patreon, we have a Patreon site at patreon.com slash roadcasepod. And of course, you can get this podcast on your favorite listening platform. So I'm really excited today that we have Bruce Finkelman with us. Bruce is a pivotal figure in the music scene here in Chicago, where I live. Bruce runs the Empty Bottle and Thalia Hall, which are two of my favorite venues in Chicago. He's also a partner in Evanston Space up in Evanston, which is a uh, northern suburb in Chicago, and the Promontory, which is located in Hyde Park, which is on the south side of Chicago. Um, I really love Bruce and his passion for music. He just loves the buzz of a live show. Um, his enthusiasm and uh, is really phenomenal, and he'll articulate that in a really interesting way during the interview. Uh, we talk about some pivotal shows. We get a whole bunch of stories about the live music scene here in the, when he was just starting out in the early nineties. And we'll see, we'll talk about the origins of the bottle at that time. Uh, we'll also look at the relationship of these venues with neighborhoods. Chicago is a neighborhood city. These, uh, especially Empty Bottle and Thalia Hall, are woven into the fabric of those neighborhoods. Empty Bottle is in Ukrainian Village. Thalia Hall is in Pilsen. We'll talk about the relationships of the venues and the neighborhoods there. Of course, we can't talk about live music and venues without talking about the show stoppages. Obviously, it's been the cataclysmic effect on, on venues and artists and everyone associated with live music. Bruce is involved in some local organizations, namely Civil, which is the Chicago Independent Venue League, on the national level with NEVA, National Independent Venue Association. And we'll hear a little bit about what he has done in that regard. So before we get started, I want to give you the heads up that we had a very brief technical issue early on in the interview. Bruce's voice gets uh, a little bit obscured at the beginning. He's calling in from his car. There's a little bit of background noise, but that ends really quickly, and then it's all cool from there. So again, I'd like to thank all of you for listening, and I'd like to welcome to Roadcase Bruce Finkelman, owner of The Empty Bottle in Thalia Hall, two venues that are near and dear to my heart. Um, this is a really fun interview. I know that you'll all really enjoy this. So here's Bruce, and here we go. Okay, we've got Bruce Finkelman here on Roadcase. I'm really happy to have you here, Bruce, from, your, from the comfort of your own vehicle. And thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure. And it's truly a Roadcase because I am traveling. There, there you go. Hence the name, right? right. So I thought that's uh, why I was supposed to be in a car. 
Oh yeah, I didn't make that clear, but hey, right. this is uh, I'm going to take your cue and we're just going to run with it, man. That's a great right. idea. I'm always looking for new forms of creativity, so this is great. I'd like to just dive right into current events with uh, Neva, the National you know Independent Venues Association, and Civil, which is the Chicago Venue League for independent venues, and see kind of just hear from you sort of where we stand today um, and what some of the major issues, obviously funding that you're that you're facing, but what is it kind of looking like from your perspective right now? I mean, it's looking pretty bleak right now. Um, you know, to, 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 you know, I'll talk about Chicago in general, but, but here is, you know, we have one of the best music scenes in, in the country, if not the world. And to think that we could come out of this pandemic with, you know, upwards of anywhere to 50% loss of some of our uh, music venues and the things that are happening around us. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just unfathomable that that can happen. When you say 50% loss, you mean 50% of venues just going. Of just deciding yeah. that they can't make it through the, through this cold winter, you know, um, yeah. the, uh, we've been lobbying and, and looking for, for, for support and acknowledgement from our, state local federal governments for you know since march of you know and it doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon and um i think without that kind of assistance uh many of the venues that we call home you know to, to people like you and me who like to see live music it's it's yeah. they're not going to be around i mean is that what you're hearing uh that uh, there won't be anything done before at least a new administration. Um, is it on the, I mean, it's on, it's still on the plate, obviously they're trying to get this funding through right now, but what are you hearing about what's going to go on during this transition period? Well, I heard that. I mean, I think that, that, you know, nobody wanted a piecemeal solution, but I think now that they're, they're starting to talk about, well, what happens if it was a piecemeal solution? So maybe there's a little bit of funds now, there's a little bit later, there's a little bit of whatever. That's what I'm hearing now. But, you know, the situation changes every day. And, and unfortunately, um, after the last years under the current administration, I, I, I'm taking a, a wait and see mentality to it. Yeah. It's so sad that this is that this is occurring. I mean, it's been so many months to just sit here and think about how it's affect negatively affecting these venues. Um we're, well, we're, how know, I try I try to I, I mean I, I, I try to keep it in perspective because I think of, you know, all the people that have I mean, the incredible hardship that the world's gone through during this pandemic. And, you know, um my little the corner of the world is is very very important to me i mean this is my my life's work but you know i try to keep it in perspective as far as people the loss of life and the hardship that people have had to go through it's 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 you know it's it's just yeah, a little piece, yeah. You know? it's 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 overwhelming yeah. yeah 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 um yeah i'm really i'm deeply disturbed by the death and affected by all the hardship that's going on yeah, for as sure. are, as are you. Yeah. Um, music is ancillary to those more pressing life problems that are directly affecting other people. Right. On the other but hand, I mean, it's, the, it's I, I'm a believer in music. I'd love live music and it enhances people's lives. And, you know, I want to see it come back around as soon as possible. And you've been instrumental in independent venues in Chicago and I, I hope the best for, for your particular venues. How are your venues doing right now? And what's kind of, what's the, the current status? 
Well, um, all of our venues are closed and, you know, the, the people that, you know, the great people that work for 16 on center, I mean, there's nothing more than they're doing. I just got off a, a, a music marketing phone call about an hour ago and, you know, we want to do things and all throughout this, this, this pandemic, we've been trying to come up with fun ways to do streaming or to, um, you know, to, to keep active in doing the things that we love. But, you know, we're all always faced with that last remaining question, which is, you know, what for, what's the safety of it all? Does it make sense to do these things now? But our, our venues remain closed right now. We um, are utilizing the great amount of space that we have to try to help out non-for-profits that are out there and other people that are trying to do good and are in need of space. So that's what we're doing currently. But, you know, we're not doing what we'd love to do, which is to put on live music. Yeah. Well, let's go back to that a little bit. I mean, the origins of the of Empty Bottle in Ukrainian Village neighborhood where we and we're both located in Chicago. You're obviously in Chicago. I'm in Chicago as well. Um, what um, what propelled you originally to open a music venue? I mean, clearly, I would assume love of music, love of live music, obviously. But um, to, taking back a little bit to that, to your thinking and the the origin of the the Empty Bottle, which is one of the premier dive bar venues in uh in the united states well i was uh i was pretty much blessed with the idea that i found what i wanted to do when i was in college i i, I found this small little dive bar called uh, um the blue note which is you know it's this great little 400 300 capacity bar that sits in the middle of st louis and and uh, Kansas City and Columbia, Missouri. And, you know, the first time I went to see a show there, I just fell in love with it. And all I wanted to do was be there. I, I The guy wouldn't hire me right away. So I sat, I came after, after school every day and I would clean up and I would do whatever odd jobs I could until one day wow. he said, hey, why don't you take the door? And I was there all the time. I mean, I fell in love with it. I, I was, I was smitten with it. I was, you know, the idea of, of, seeing music that was happening in front of your eyes. And I know that that sounds weird because that's what live music is, but there was, there was something about being in that front row and being part of a show and, and being part of that, totally. that, that energy, you know, yeah. was, was something that the minute, the, the first time I saw it, I was, I was bitten. There was nothing yeah. else that I, I could figure out that I wanted to do with my life. So I came back to Chicago. Um, and, uh, the first person I went to see was, uh, uh, these, these, these two women, uh, Julia and Sue Miller, who owned a place called lounge acts. And, um, I had been in love with that place. And, um, I started hanging out there doing, doing whatever I could, you know, I, I worked at Hyatt for a while, but ultimately I, I got tired of, of, of the corporate world. I, like I said, I worked at Hyatt for a while and um, I decided it was time to do something else. And I was driving around Chicago late at night, lamenting on the fact that I had to wear a suit during the day when all I wanted to do was be in a, in a, in a, in a bar, drinking a paps or something like that. And I saw this for rent sign on uh, Western Avenue at like three in the morning and called the next day. And that was the, the location for the first empty bottle. 
Yeah, which was a couple blocks down from uh, from where it is on Western. Two right? blocks, two blocks, two blocks I, south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, remind and, me again, how old how old were you at the time? I was twenty three. So you were like you were you were aching to become a real estate mogul at the at the the ripe old age of twenty three. Yeah, with with uh, the seven hundred and ninety dollars I had in my bank account that I had to turn into. Uh, into the empty bottle. Yeah, I was really wow. thinking about being a mogul. All I wanted to do was put on live music. And, you know, yes. we, we operated that place. And, you know, it was there was a small community that lived in that area. And every single person who lived in that community helped build this place that was to become the empty bottle. And I remember the first day um, after opening and after setting this whole place up and getting things going and, you know, learning along the way about how to do this i had our first show there which was this band called the cocktails and um mm-hmm. these polish gents who lived in the neighborhood they built the stage over a pool table and i was all excited and i was ready to go and i was behind the bar and the place was packed and oh, it was like my life dream had come about and my landlord walked in and i looked at him with this if you can imagine just this face of just utter like enjoyment that I had had achieved this goal in my life and he just looked at me shook my head shook his head at me and told me that there was going to be never going to be any more live music and I started looking for the for the new place which was two blocks down so you rented the first place I rented the first place the the first the first we, we always thought that the you know that we would keep both the places open and that would be the empty bottle and this new place where the empty bottle currently resides would be the empty bottle annex right. um, but after getting uh, booted out of that first place we uh turned our focus to the empty bottle as we all know and love it to be yeah um so obviously you were you were renting this place and so the landlord comes in and you know clearly uh you uh I I know you probably read the noise ordinance uh paragraph in that in that in that uh in your lease really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't that it was just it was more or less like you know like I was saying like here's a here's here I am at my ripe young age where I kind of achieved this milestone that I was so looking forward to. I mean, this is all I wanted to do is to be able to put on live music and this, you know, and I thought I'd be sharing this with the world and everybody would, would, would feel the same way I did, but there, here comes my landlord in a, in a white frock because he, they, he, he worked at a butcher shop, came in <laughs> and just, just shook his getting head. Better. <laughs> yeah. Shook his head. And that was the end of shows at the old, old, uh, old empty bottle. And we had already been working on uh, the new empty bottle and, you know, slowly but surely trying to get it to a point where we could have shows there. But at that point, we decided that we were just going to focus our attention. Yeah, no, I love the DIY spirit at the first place, though. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's this band called Space Streakings. They're, They're from Japan. They were on this band called Skin Graft, which was a huge Chicago band, uh, Chicago label right. for a while. And they were putting this beam in the empty bottle. There used to be a beam that sat in the middle of the stage and we had to remove it. And the, this, this, this gent was working at like 12 o'clock because at night, cause we didn't have permits back then, but um, we needed to move this beam that probably weighed about, a, I don't know, a couple thousand pounds. And I just went over to the bar and I said, hey, can anybody come help me? And there were these, there was this Japanese man called Space Streakings that were sitting at the bar and they were tiny. They were <laughs> tiny people. <laughs> right. They were tiny. 
But these guys were just like, I emptied out the old bar. Everybody marched down to the new empty bottle and they moved this beam. And to this day, space streakings, if you're still out there, you guys are my <laughs> you heroes. You hear that, guys? <laughs> so yeah. how did you, um, tell me about a little bit of how you found the, 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 the current location. Well, I mean, I was in, uh, you know, the, the bottle was, was, was running for a while and, you know, I had become firmly entrenched in, in Ukrainian village. I mean, I was living there. I was part of it. You know, all we wanted to do was, you know, you know, my thought from the very beginning was if you build places that you like, you know, hopefully other people would like that too. And that's really kind of the, the, the mantra that we had used toward the first empty bottle. So we had really become part of that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and. At some point in time, there were, there was this this bar that you know where the empty bottle was now, which was called the Friendly Inn, and uh, it was also affectionately known as the Bucket of Blood yeah. because there was a whole bunch of uh, activities that would happen there that would uh, produce that red substance to come out of people's bodies. Um, but you know, the old owners who had been there forever and ever and ever decided to sell, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is a this. Let's do this. This is a yeah. great." This is a great, this will be great. Totally. You know, and little did I know that, that, uh, you know, 30 years down the road, I would still be, still have this place that was, you know, my favorite place on earth. That's awesome. So what were those early days like? Um, did, were you, I mean, you had built up relationships with bands to that point. Were you booking at that point or what did that kind of look like? Yeah, I was, I was booking bands. And, you know, it was, it was kind of the wild, wild west then. I mean, you know, here, this was kind of like there was a boom of Chicago bands and Chicago interest in music that was starting to come mm -hmm. up. And, um, you know, there was this, this great neighborhood community that was forming in, you know, Ukrainian village and Bucktown and, and Wicker Park. And, you know, the whole scene was really electric. Yeah. And, here was the empty bottle and, you know, Liz Fair was walking down the street and, and here comes Nirvana and, uh, you know, babes in Toyland who were touring together. I mean, there were just people around, wow. you know, it was a great, great, great scene. Yeah. And, you know, and to see these people sitting at the bar and just, and just be like, Hey, we're going to, you know, what are you doing next Tuesday? Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a really, it was really organic. So, you know, it wasn't, it was. It wasn't as menu. It wasn't anything thought out about like, oh, I'm going to call these agents and I'm going to do this. It was just kind of like, hey guys, what are you doing? You know, let's let's do this. You want to want to play? Or my friends are coming to town next week. Yeah. You know, you want to play? And at the empty at the bottle, I mean, one of my favorite stories is, um, you know, the yeah yeah yeahs were playing there for uh, their their soon to be label touch and go. Mm -hmm. And um, there were like 10 people there, you know, the, the, the label wanted to see the band play. And after the band had, after the, the show was over, their tour manager came up to me and he said, Hey man, I want to give you a tape of my band that I'm in. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And it was a band called TV on the radio. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's like all these things are organically happening and it's just people who are part of the scene and about a part of the, 
this great community that was building in Chicago and it just the energy was just insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love how you talked about your origins of just loving shows and want loving to be in that energy and wanting that to happen again and again and and that's kind of propelled you to create that type of venue where and but the origins are are super are just super pure and and beautiful in that sense that you know you just you were there and it was it was happening and you were a part of it and you were giving oxygen to this to music and how, how did how did it fit in how did it fit in in the city and in the neighborhood at that point like what's the what was what was your initial impression of the relationship of uh and the empty bottle with Chicago and with Ukrainian village at that time? Well, you know, Chicago and, and the art scene, both music and, you know, all different types of arts was still dealing with the fact of, you know, rent and where people could live. um, And that kept moving out West. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the config, you know, the configuration of, of like a whole bunch of, people all meeting in this one area right so chicago's music scene was you know it's always dealt with like these different these different time you know time stamps you know from you know uh house music to you know to all you know to blues to jazz to rock to techno to you know uh indie rock so these different places in time and in chicago this just happened to be one of them in the 1990s where you know you had this touch and go records which was the chicago record label and southern records and there were all these wonderful diy kind of labels that were starting up in chicago and there was a great scene that was kind of emerging um you know and i think chicago in itself you know, it's just such a great place for music and people have this ability, this Midwest mentality of being very accepting of new types of stuff that's being open there and really being able to open their their arms and their ears and um, just just kind of open up their hearts to this type of music. And I think that that's something that we're seeing. Like people weren't afraid of new stuff. There was a great jazz scene. We were doing this uh uh, the empty bottle jazz and improvised music for a, a really long time, probably like 15 years with John Corbett and uh, Ken Vandermark. Right. Who, these guys were bringing in people all around the world and the country to play this little hole in the wall. But the great thing that was happening is you had these jazz and improvised folks that were coming out who were playing with, local Chicagoans mm-hmm. and it was kind of coming up with that avant-garde like tortoise and C and cake and um, gastro, you know, all those, those bands that were coming out of it, it was giving them another Avenue to play. Right. So I kind of bring that up because that to me is Chicago where you have like that little corner destination where people can get together with a whole different um, bunch of different ideas and put it together as something new, something different, something the same, but something great. Yeah, I mean, are you still seeing those components today? I do. It feels a little different now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's How? New, it, it, I because I think like we're, I think people are just trying to figure out this this the new way that we do things through, um, you know, radio and 
record sales and the internet and the way that people are getting their music, I think that that's making it different. Yeah. Um, and I haven't quite, you know, like I, I don't have a thesis pinned yet, mm-hmm. but I know that <laughs> we artists, can work on one. Yeah. But I know artists are really trying hard right now to find their way in, in, um, in this, this technology world that we live in, especially when you have something that's so organic as music, you know, and how that ties yeah. into digital, the digital world of, of, of how we put, how we, how we ingest certain things now. Right. So it's a little bit of a kind of moving puzzle at this point, a little bit more than the way you saw it uh, back in the early to mid nineties when the bottle was coming up and becoming more of a place where it was like, this was the place that you played and you played your ass off and you garnered fans that way. I mean, that component hasn't changed. I mean, still people are bringing it, bringing it when they're on stage and that's always important for fans and fans want to connect with bands and vice versa. Um, that piece of, uh, the organic pie of live music is still similar. I would venture to say it is, it is, you know, maybe one of the things that, that, that has changed a little bit is, is, um, that that need to play to spread the word right yeah right like it was less of a conscious like it's, it was less of a conscious decision then now you're kind of there's always this sort of strategic what do we do and how do we get out this is what the tour is going to look like we got to play chicago and then we'll play milwaukee next and then we'll you know different methods of touring but then it was sort of like oh we're no we're hitting the stage we're just going to kill it and we're gonna we're that's we're just gonna move on to the next to the next city well also there's the other component that i can put my music up on Bandcamp or something and all of a sudden it's in front of you know however thousands of people right where right. where the old the old way was this people will see me if i play live so i'm going to tour across the country untirelessly tirelessly for the rest of my life till people get to hear my music right but the the main component here is the show and the importance of the show exactly. and the connection. And that has, that still hasn't changed, but the kind of the dynamic of why that's important has sort of changed. Would that be fair characterization? Yeah. Or if everybody realizes that at the bottom, at the, at the core value, it's live music. Yeah. 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 You want to say the bottom line, then we're confusing our venues. Right. Right. <laughs> which was like my, which was like, I, 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 you know, I went, I went to, I, I lived in New York for a while and did grad school at NYU and I was right around the corner from the bottom line. So that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But, but you know uh, what I mean? Like, like there's, yeah. there, there will never, ever, 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 ever be a replacement for being in the front row of a show. No. Right. You can't. you can't. I totally agree with that. Nope. You cannot replicate yeah. that. I mean, streams are great and everything. And hey, I get a shoot to my bathroom, to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> and I'm back in a second. Right. And I'm back on my couch. That's That part is great. But no, you cannot replicate the sound quality, the energy, the sweat, everything. And and think of the bands. And and I bet like if, if you and I were, were had a couple cold ones and we're sitting around, we could come up with a whole list. Bands whose recorded music suck, but are the best live performances you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. We couldn't fit that in a, I mean, it's right. just, that's, that's the best. I mean, right. If left, if left to their recorded music would never be anything. Yeah. But because it's of the big, live experience. It's a big fucking list, but then there are people that love those bands because they love the studio albums. And so, you know, I mean, it is about the songs. Yeah. I would argue that the songs still have to be good to a certain degree. Oh, but without a doubt. You, you, don't, you don't get that feeling. You don't get the energy. You don't get that extra punch, um, obviously, you know, at, at, a, at a live show. I yeah. mean, without a doubt, the, the music's got to be good, or in the restaurant, the food's got to be good before you can go anywhere. Right, right. Well, have you, so you're in hospitality and how did um, the intersection of hospitality and music start happening for you? And was that a factor in branching out to other venues in Chicago for you? So it, it really all boils down to if you do something you like with the hopes that other people like the two, it was just, just me and, and the, the people that were around me and part of it growing up, you know, yeah. we were in the empty bottle and the only place we could eat lunch or dinner was a Polish joint called Andre's grill across the street. And while, mm-hmm. while Polish food is awesome, if you eat it every single day, your <laughs> arteries start to become <laughs> cemented. Yeah. Right? Right. It's probably taken well, a decade off my life. It's delightful. Yeah. But we had no place to eat. So we built Bite Cafe. Right. And the idea was it is, you know, a which bed, is like not right next door to the venue. It's it's part of the empty bottle, right? It's part of the and, yeah, okay. And the idea was is that, you know, bands who are touring here and grace us with the ability to be able to play on our stages should think of the empty bottle and all of our venues as like their home away from home. And that means nice. having good food. That means being treated like family. Yep. And that's the only way that, that we can do it. Right. Right. So from there, we decided that we really liked bourbon. So we opened mm-hmm. up a place called Longman and Eagle. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, all the ideas come from growth and trying new things and expanding your horizons as to what what you feel like doing next. But there's an honesty that we try to put into everything we do that comes from, hey, we can only build something that we like. It's the only thing we know how to do. And you hope that other people will like it, too. But if we've never been good at building Disneyland, if we had built Thalia and hired an interior decorator to decorate that place it would never be thalia hall it would never show the history of the building the patina of the layers of what's happened there since the 1890s yeah and And for the for those for those of you who aren't from chicago i mean that's just like one of the most beautiful buildings in chicago let alone in music and indoors is is just it looks like an old longshoreman's hall sort of but like elegant and 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 regal and that in just high ceiling and uh open balcony and it's just uh it's it's really beautiful and it's one of my favorite venues in the city for sure. Yeah. And it's just to hopefully the people out there will, will have a chance to, to make it there. But when you walk through those doors and you see the expanse of the ceiling and you see the, the proscenium and you see the boxes in there, it's just an architectural beauty and it it's is. just yeah. an absolute delight. That sounds great. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had the I've gone to Thalia Hall countless times. I mean, I I even I live like five minutes from there, but I've been able to be I've been in that venue when we're walking in and there's no one in there. One of the first people there and people have not been in that venue before And the hands down. It's the same reaction every yeah. single time. Wow. I've heard about this place, they say, but, uh, you know, I never really recognized how absolutely beautiful it is. And, and then the other thing you were talking about is the intersection and the intersection is between music, food and booze. And that's yeah. because those are three things that we really, really, really like. Yeah. So why shouldn't why shouldn't we be able to do all three of those things? And why shouldn't there be a connection between them all when when we're experiencing them? Absolutely. Well, you've certainly like accomplished that. I mean, Thalia and Empty Bottle, like one of the greatest places to hang around after the show. I mean, they're they're phenomenal. And um, tell me a little about the promontory. So the promontory was, you know, there was this this. Man, which is down on the south side of uh, Chicago it's in and Hyde, Hyde Park, Park. For those who don't know, it's in Hyde Park, and 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 I love the story when they came to us and they said we are a top three or top four inter, uh, university in the country, mm-hmm. but for some reason when people leave leave class, there's nothing for them to do, so they're not coming here. Right. So we'd like you to come down here and um, do something that would give people a place to hang out here. Yeah. And that means in Hyde Park. So, I mean, we, we, there was this gentleman who still works for me today, um, Jake Austin. And Jake Austin is probably one of the smartest humans when it comes to music. And Jake is a writer. He's written books. He does this great uh, magazine called Rocktober magazine. Um, And I knew Jake from the beginning of the bottle because Jake came up with this puppet called Ratso and Ratso has been interviewing rock musicians for 30 years. Ratso the puppet? Ratso the puppet. Is that, is that kind of where Triumph the insult dog came from? (laughs) (laughs) Jake is a brilliant weirdo and is also lives in Hyde Park and has for a long, long, long time. And together with him, we were able to have this venue that paid homage to all the great music that has and the history of music that's been from Hyde Park. Right. And to really create some place that we hope that the neighbors there call their own. That's great. That's great. And you've done the same thing up at Evanston or a similar in a, another community that was probably underserved by music for sure. Yeah. So that was, that's my, my partner, Craig, that's his place. And, and, right. you know, that was before he and I handshake over our, our merging together as, as, you know, homies. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, the reason that we are so good together and the the reason why I love him is because it's really that same kind of, that same kind of MO. He lives there. It's his community. Yeah, And he wanted to build someplace that he wanted to go to. And in fact, like the empty bottle to me, Craig has got his own bar stool there that you can find him at almost at the end of every night. Yeah, that's 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 important. Right. It's our happy place. 
Yeah, for sure. And for those that don't know, that's just that's a small room in the back of a, of a Union Pizza uh, in um, in Evanston, and it's just a. I've seen a ton of great shows there. I mean, the accessibility to the band—you're basically on the same level as them. They walk through the crowd to get to the yeah to, to get to right? the stage. I mean, you know, if you don't like uh, inter- if you don't like mingling with your fans as an artist, uh, don't play space in Evanston. Right. There's a little bit of there's a <laughs> or or, or, or no, let me let me let me phrase that differently. You're gonna like you're 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 gonna become a fans uh, mingling artist after you play space. Let's put it that way. Right. But there's a there's 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 a humbleness to it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Right, like the like the band when you walk on stage at the Empty Bottle, you have to walk through the through the crowd to get to the to to the to the stage but yeah it's almost like well kind of off to the side sort of yeah yeah, it's almost like there's somewhat of an open kitchen kind of mentality to it where like yeah hey the band's right there if you don't like it you just tell them and in that sense dolly is kind of the more the more formal right it's got the you know it's a huge much 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 bigger stage Mm -hmm. you know it's it's more of like a traditional sort of venue that i would picture like larger stage Big, it's a ballroom essentially uh in in flavor two is like a thousand capacity right yeah. and uh nice backstage area uh it's just sort of a in, in the but even at dahlia the tour buses are parked outside and the band's got to walk through the tack room which is the bar just to the side there to, to get to the stage door and get out to the tour bus i mean it's um you know it's it's a it's a place where uh performers can easily interact with fans yeah. and fans can see the performers if you have if your favorite performer is playing at dahlia hall i would suggest you go there because the chances are that you run into that person are pretty high oh without a doubt i mean after the show they're they're hanging out at the bar as well yeah or before yeah, yeah. hell yeah getting those great the great uh curry soaked sausage at deuce yeah there you go it's my favorite pre-show there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and Thalia is special. I'm from Chicago. I'm familiar with Pilsen, and that's a wonderful neighborhood for food and uh, just to go hang out. And, um, uh, you know, it's certainly become a lot different than it has uh, been over the years. Uh, you know, some people say gentrification. I mean, that's kind of a loaded word. Um, maybe you've come under criticism for that. I defend the shit out of you because I'm like Appreciate bringing that. music to the fucking neighborhood, man. And like Thalia Hall's been there since 1890s or whatever, you know. And uh, you know, all you're doing is like bringing music and creating some great restaurants, and you're bringing people into the neighborhood. What what's the stat with Chicago? Like for every dollar spent at a venue, twelve dollars are being spent in the neighborhood or in the city or something crazy like that so looking at that on a micro level in pilsen what have you seen over the years well i mean it's it's it there's no easy answer to gentrification and you know if you look at the building that thalia was thalia had bankrupted and was sitting in disrepair when we found it it was they were using the the hall as a place to store shoes um mm-hmm. you know uh-huh. and you kind of look at the disrepair and you know, I was I'm so thankful that we were able to and had the the ways and the means to be able to go in there and fix it up and to make sure that it stands the test of time for, you know, centuries to come. But, you know, it's a difficult pill to swallow for people that have lived in that community for for ever and ever and ever. You know, because yeah. with taking a building and repairing it and remodeling it, then 
people want to come into the neighborhoods and rents get increased and people who can't afford that rent end up getting, you know, turned away from the neighborhood. So there's really no easy answer. And, you know, we try to be as sensitive as we can to it um, because it's a real thing. It's a real thing to see people who can't afford houses anymore all of a sudden looking and, you know, being like, well, where am I going to live? How have you combated that? I mean, in the, in that neighborhood? Well, we try to keep the workforce in Pilsen, right? And we try to hire from Pilsen. And we also try to be good neighbors and try to be uh, part of the neighborhood and part of the community instead of just people who came into the community. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's, 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 it's difficult for, from so many different levels, but all we can do is try to be good people, right? Yeah. Good business folks and good people and do that neighborhood and that building proud. Yeah. Now, um, from a booking standpoint, I'm always curious, like these are different venues with different characteristics for different bands, potentially, um, for booking, I mean, I know you don't do the booking personally. I mean, I'm sure you probably have an influence on that. I would venture, yeah. but um, is it is it just from a capacity standpoint? Is it from an availability standpoint that you're bringing bands in to a particular venue? Um, I mean, obviously Thalia's got certain, you know, uh, you, it's there's it's a thousand person capacity there, right? Mm-hmm. But um, what are some of the driving factors as to what bands you that you want to bring in to each particular venue and why? Well, I think the booking goes along with with much of our mantra for everything else. We try the only, you know, it's music is so subjective that it's very difficult for for anybody to say this is what you should like. So the booking that we do at Thalia is the stuff that we believe in. You know, we can't book everything and there's really no way to ever um decide what people what we think everybody should listen to but all we can do is is make sure that it's good music make sure it's stuff that we like and hopefully other people that come in will understand the relativity of what we're putting on there you know so yeah this is it's kind of a confluence of the people that play space the people that play the bottle the people that play promontory and as they get bigger and they start to outgrow those smaller clubs we have an area, we have a, a, a venue that's of a bigger capacity that people can can still continue to work with us. And we can continue right. to work with these people that we call family, but give them a, a different scenario, a different situation. It's kind of the same thing where um, Empty Bottle Presents and Out of Space, which are two entities of our businesses that promote shows outside of the four walls of those venues, we're able mm-hmm. to... Empty Bottle Presents specifically tries to find alternative surroundings for bands that are looking to play. You know, not everybody wants to play traditional settings. Like they'll do shows in, um, you know, in, in, uh, uh, Oh, it was like a Garfield Park show Garfield last Park, year. They do a couple of years ago. For some reason, which is a uh, for those who don't know, is a, a conservatory, like a uh, what do they call that? The botanical yeah. garden, like an indoor botanical garden. Right. What the fuck is that called? A conservatory. You're good. Garfield yeah. Park okay. All right. Yeah. I was good the first time. Why right. did I even doubt myself? Right. But the other thing is, Brent, I don't know why, really loves doing shows at cemeteries. 
But for folks that but who does who likes doing shows? Brent is one of the talent buyers. Loves doing shows. We did the shows at the. Um, yeah, he loves doing shows at cemeteries. But to come up with these different uh, different plays, you know, to, to yeah, that's great. Every artist has other other options, other things that they'd like to do with their music, and we try to be open and creative in ways that we are able to do those things too. So there's different approaches, but but Thalia is that next traditional play that we've once again tried to make home. Yeah. What about on the festival front? I know I saw um, I saw Kurt Vile as part of the what was that that was part of the three one two or is that how was Empty Bottle present Obviously, you guys were involved in that, or was just Kurt just playing an after no, show? No, we do we do all the booking for that. We do West Fest, we do, oh, okay. do Division, we do our own little festival outside of uh, the Empty Bottle called uh, Music Pros and Dancing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, Out of Space does their festivals, but you know it's it's just a matter of coming up with different ways to present awesome music. Yeah, no, absolutely. You guys do an amazing job with that. Um, future of music, like, what are you? Uh, what are you seeing in terms of? Uh, I mean, you know, we talked about the um, uh, the finance bills that are hopefully coming shortly, um, and to keep venues afloat until uh, just give them some assistance, and hopefully they won't go out of business and um, before that comes through, but. Once it does, assuming venues, you know, uh, are bringing back bands, what are you hearing in terms of timing and types of shows that will start to become a thing hopefully sooner than later in terms of in-person shows? Yeah, I think we got some time. I think, yeah, that, yeah. you know, it'll be next year. Um, mm-hmm. I hope. I hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, whenever anybody asks me about time timelines, I always try to tell them, like, you know, my medical degree is not is still not here in the mail yet. Um <laughs> You know, I think outside is probably going to be a good option for people for a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, even around here, like April ish, yeah, May early May ish, when things start, uh, when drive-in shows would. Um, so maybe like drive-in shows would start coming back, something like that. Well, but I think when it's like, warm enough. But like, still, like those ideas of being able to have music in really wide open spaces, I think that's a really good idea and a really good option. Yeah. But I think that ultimately you know, there's going to have to be a lot of kind of like holding on, you know, and, and for these venues that are inside focused venues are really going to have to, to get some assistance to be able to make it through this next period, because I think it's going to be a while. Yeah. I mean, and, and most venues, like, are you seeing it's clearly a, a, a venue by venue kind of financing balance sheet story. Is that, would that be a correct assessment to like, cause I always wonder, and I'm thinking like which venues are able to hang on, which venues are not able to hang on. It's kind of a personal, oh, yeah. not, like a personal, it's like, it's just, it's a balance sheet issue from venue to venue. Of course, right. Of I mean, course, is that what yeah. you're saying, you're saying like, you know, what their status is, what their cash is on hand, whether they, what do they need to pay out? What's the, is it a mortgage? Is it a rent situation? Right. So. And it's also desire. I mean, you know, live music is, is kind of a call of the wild, you know, it's not the most, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it is sometimes it is, it is not the most financially rewarding of the businesses. So I mm-hmm. think, I think for some people it's, it's that desire thing where it's like, you know, look, how long am I going to hold on 
And, you know, yeah. with the hopes that this does come back with the unknown about what it's going to look back like when it comes back. I mean, the idea of those of us who have spent time like yourself in a venue, it's hard to fathom what it's going to look like after COVID, you know, and, and, and I mean, for such a basic statement as that, just the way that we as humans interact with each other's now is so different from what it was like in February of last year. So it'll be interesting, you know, how long, you know, to, to, to take a look at things like how long it took to kind of breed out the idea that everybody had to shake everybody's hands. Yeah. And what that looks like on the reverse side of it. Right. Yeah. We'll be going backwards, starting with where we are now. Right. right. I mean, it's kind of like playing the movie backwards. Right. right. We're not going to be, nothing's going to be like, we're all going to be far away and it's just kind of hopefully going to get closer as we go on. Right. I don't really see it getting back to full normal until 2022, but you know, what the fuck do I know? But I think, and maybe, uh, you know, would you agree that it's going to be a gradual return to where we were? So it's interesting. Like I, I was talking to some people the other day and I kind of believe that, yeah, it'll be a gradual return. Like, I stand 15 feet away from you. Then next week I stand 13 feet away from you. And then somebody (laughs) else brought up the the thing. We as humans have such short memories. Yeah. Well, that's a benefit and a curse. Right. Like if we didn't, I'd never go to the dentist. Right. Be like, I got that cat. I know what you did to me last time. Right. Right. You to take that metal thing and poke my gums again. No way, dude. (laughs) It happened to me. Um, But maybe that is the, you know, that you look at it like three months and you go, what COVID? Yeah. Well, let's hope, let's hope that's the case. Um, yeah. Ma- masks it shows is, uh, uh, I would assume is, will a mask be required at, uh, at your venues? I don't know. Try this one. How about plexiglass between the bands and the fans? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, think Thanks about- for ruining my fucking day. dude. <laughs> <laughs> think about that stuff. I, I mean, I, I just have no idea. And I, you know, in the in the ever since the beginning of it, I've been saying like, look, we need the medical professions, the medical professionals, to stand up and tell us what we need to do. Because as owners, as lovers of live music, we'll do whatever the fuck you tell us to do, right? Right. We just want yeah. to be able to put something. We want to be able to see live music. We will want to do it in a safe manner that everybody can walk out of there without getting sick or getting killed and be able to do it again. So whatever we need to do is you're thinking different because you're in the music business that has a conscience. Well, we closed everything. I mean, we have two places that are open and they do carry out and delivery only. Yeah. And wasn't there a COVID issue at Longman and Eagle? There's COVID issues. At, yeah. Everywhere. And, but there, yeah, and by the way, I guess maybe just the, the name kind of, can, I just remembered the name. And, and one of the things that I was, I was really proud that, that was done this way was look, it happened. We closed and we thought that yeah. people should know about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I heard of it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, and, and, you know, if it, I can't imagine, I, I mean, if you look at the infection rates and you look at the people that have, that have got the disease in one form or another, it's yeah. hard to believe that not that there isn't a really good percentage of, restaurants out there that haven't had a COVID touch in one way or another that they should probably have closed or should have done stuff. And hopefully they've done the correct 
procedures to to make it make it so that their customers are safe and their staff and their family. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think your assessment of like that it's just gonna we're gonna move back gradually and we're, everyone will get closer and closer and closer and, and that'll be as vaccines are coming out hopefully yeah. in in mass 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 distributed in mass distribution and produced and that's going to kind of be a progression throughout the year but yeah coming back with something that socially distant shows just like we saw end because they were mostly in the mid a lot were in the midwest and on the east coast and it's just getting too cold to do that yeah we'll probably come back when the weather's a little like at least we're into the yeah. 50s you know yeah, yeah. Right, what, what's what's not, your rock level is it 30s, 40s? That's really why we did. That's why we did music frozen dancing. We wanted to see if people would come out in February for like minus degree weather, and they did. And now, oh yeah, since that first one. Now it's really warm on that date for some reason. Every time we do that festival, <laughs> that's great though. It depends how many fire pits you have. Well, I know, but it totally it totally ruins the whole perspective of it. Should be freezing. I know. I don't know what's better. Like, cause I went to that conservative to the, the Garfield park thing. Yeah. So you're wearing a heavy coat going in there and then you're carrying the fucking heavy coat <laughs> around all night long. If you didn't want to go to the coat checkers, cause like, then you, you step into a place that's 80 degrees and like 90% humidity. It's hilarious. Right. <laughs> so your mom, would have, your mom would have told you you would have caught a cold. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, well, that's great, Bruce. It was um, so great to get all this um, all this awesome information from you, and it's such a pleasure to to uh, finally meet you and talk with you. And uh, I'm a big admirer of what you've done for Chicago and the scene and just music in general. And like I said, Thalia Hall's the. I mean, I know the the, the bottle's amazing. Uh, Thalia's one of my favorites. I mean, and um, uh, you guys, you just do such a great job, and you're. You're a really delightful human, and it's a really uh, great to talk with you. And you're you're a, you're a legend in Chicago. I, <laughs> I'll tell. <them. laughs> I appreciate. Look, it's 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 the people. It's people like you that that you know like what we do. That, that yeah. Really well, important. you and we, yeah, we're just vibing on the same level yeah. in terms of music. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had me from Hello. Since we're talking about being in the front row of shows when when you were younger, I mean, that's me. That's me even now. Yeah. Like I'm just like, you know. Um, fortunately, I've been back and seen shows uh, side stage at, at Thalia when I've known some people that that were in the bands. It got me back, and that's that's been great. And just being all over the place and being able to see shows from different perspectives, and that's kind of like. That's 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 what we love on yeah. Roadcase. Thank so, you so much. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. It was great talking to you. Hopefully, we can connect Anytime. again sometime. You get, you, I'll, I'll be in my car. Right on. <laughs> okay. okay. Thanks Sorry. a lot, man. Take care. Okay, there you have it, Bruce Finkelman, owner of the Empty Bottle, owner of Thalia Hall. Uh, both in Chicago. Uh, so cool to hear of the uh, DIY beginnings of Empty Bottle in uh, the Ukrainian Village neighborhood in Chicago. Um, Bruce called it the Wild Wild West in that neighborhood in the early 90s. Um, just to hear the number of bands that came rolling in to that venue at the time, uh, to hear Bruce's love of music, how he just loved the live show, and that's what kind of brought him to develop that that venue, uh, which has become one of the premier dive bar venues in the country, frankly. Um, at the heart of it all, it's really the live show. And as Bruce explains, 
regardless of how fans are getting their music uh, through Bandcamp or through other streaming services, uh, the core value is really the show. Um, and we all hope to be back at those shows uh, soon enough. I'd like to thank Bruce again for being here. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in to Roadcase. I'd like to thank Walzer for this amazing theme music. Um, I'd like to encourage all of you to get involved with Roadcase by emailing me your questions, comments, suggestions for guests, info at Roadcase Pod. You can also check us out on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you can and are able to support this podcast on Patreon, we have a Patreon site at patreon.com slash roadcasepod. Again, I'd like to thank Bruce Finkelman for being here. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. We'll see you on down the road.